0: Statistics are everywhere, from sports stats to everyday life, statistics of being in a car crash, the probability of getting bit by a shark or having a coconut fall on your head. When it comes to criminal cases, some people are in a lifestyle where statistically, they have a higher chance of being a victim of a crime. But today's case is a little bit different because statistically, this young man lived one of the safest lives that he could and then he disappeared. I'm your host, Koi Atkins, and this is the story of Zeb Quinn. Asheville, North Carolina, is a relatively small town in the Blue Ridge Mountains. In the year 2000, the population of Asheville was only a little over 60,000 people, and one of those people was 18-year-old Zeb Quinn. Zeb was born May 12, 1981, in Asheville, where he grew up his entire life. Growing up, Zeb was a quiet kid. He had friends through sports that he played, but he was never really close to anyone. He had a learning disability that caused him to have a difficult time in school. While school was difficult for him, he spent a lot of time fishing, which he found peaceful. As he entered high school, like every other teenager, he wanted to fit in. And that's when he found the ROTC program at his school, which is something that he really took to. Towards the end of high school, he also started working part-time in the electronics department at Walmart in Asheville. This is where Zeb started to make a few more friends. Sunday, January 2nd, 2000, was a chilly day in Asheville. Christmas had passed and the new year just started. With the new year, Zeb had his eyes on upgrading and getting a little bit newer of a car. So after work, around 9pm, he went to look at a car for sale with one of his friends, Robert Jason Owens, who went by Jason. And Jason was also a part-time overnight employee at Walmart. And the two, when they went to go look at this car, they drove separately. About 15 minutes later, the two stopped at a gas station to buy a couple of sodas. According to Jason, as they continued driving, Zeb flashed his headlights at Jason, signaling for him to pull over. As they pulled over, Zeb told Jason that he'd received a page and he needed to return the call immediately. Zeb had a pager, not a cell phone, so he had to get to a payphone. Jason waited on the side of the road while Zeb went to a nearby payphone. When Zeb returned, something was off. In fact, he was so frantic that he rear-ended Jason's truck as he pulled up to it. Zeb told Jason that something came up and he needed to cancel the plan to go check out the car. He told Jason that he would get with him later and he would pay for any of the damages done to his truck, and then he drove off from Jason. Later that night, Zeb's mother, Denise, began worrying about Zeb. Zeb didn't return home, and no one had heard from him. She tried to page him that night whenever she got off work, which was a little after nine, but he never responded to her pages. Not knowing where he was at seemed out of character for Zeb. He usually told Denise where he was going or how late he would be somewhere, so that she knew when to expect him to be home but now she had no idea where he may have been. The next afternoon, Denise contacted the police and reported Zeb as missing. Two days later, a mysterious call was made to Walmart. Luckily, the manager who answered the phone was Zeb's manager. Not only was it Zeb's manager, but she had worked with Zeb for two years and she knew Zeb really well. The person calling in Walmart claimed to be Zeb. He was trying to call out sick, saying that he wasn't feeling well. Once the manager heard the person on the other end, she knew that it wasn't Zeb. She also knew that Zeb was reported missing, so she stalled. She acted like she didn't know who Zeb was and started asking questions like what department he worked for so that she could let the correct manager know. She asked about the hours where he was supposed to work. Which, the person on the other end of the phone didn't really know how to answer these questions and soon hung up the phone. But while the manager was stalling the person on the phone, she was trying to write down the number that the person was calling from. when she called back, it was a business phone to a Volvo plant. When this information was turned over to investigators, they were quickly able to make a link to someone. Jason worked at the Volvo plant. When questioned... Jason claimed that he had talked to Zeb and was asked to call in sick for him. He claimed that he was trying to do Zeb a favor and he didn't know where Zeb currently was or how to get a hold of him now. Investigators also learned that Jason claimed to his boss at Volvo that he was in two car crashes. The first one was when Zeb rear ended him and the other one was the next morning. He was rear ended again. He stated that this crash caused him to go to the hospital with a head injury and a cracked rib. When they examined Jason's truck, they found very minor damage. They also couldn't find any crash reports that were made involving a crash with Jason. And based on the minor damage to the truck, it seemed very unlikely that he would have the injuries that he did have. While all of this seemed like red flags, there was something else that came up in the investigation that took things in a different direction. When investigators started piecing together names of people connected to zeb they came across one name that caught their attention misty taylor misty was a young woman who zeb had recently met and the two quickly became friends zeb talked to his co-workers and other family members about misty how much he really liked her it was really a connection that he had never had with anyone else the two would spend hours talking on the phone with each other but then Almost out of nowhere, Misty dropped a bombshell on Zeb. She had a boyfriend and a baby. But this didn't deter Zeb. He was falling for her. Things took a bit of a turn when her boyfriend found out about Zeb, but they continued to talk on the phone whenever they had the chance. When investigators spoke to Misty, she downplayed the relationship, saying that the two were just friends. On the night that Zeb went missing, She said that she was with her baby, her boyfriend, mother, and her mother's friend, who actually turned out to be Zeb's aunt, Ina, and they were all at Misty's house. It would take a little bit more time, but eventually investigators got records of Zeb's pager to see who the person was that paged him, that caused him to enter this frantic state that Jason described. Other than his mother's pages, when she got off work, The other page that he received was from his Aunt Ina's home phone. When Ina was questioned she claimed that she never paged him. She said that she wasn't even home and that she was at Misty's house. She later reported that her house was broken into and while nothing was missing a few things were knocked over and she believed that whoever broke into her house would have been the person to page Seb. Now all of this seems really odd. There are no connections between Misty, her boyfriend, and Jason, and they all seem like perfect suspects. The page that came into Zeb's phone was from his aunt, who was with Misty at the time. Everything is just really strange. And it's about to get a lot stranger. What is one thing that most people want more than money? If you guessed time, then you're correct. Time is something that we can't get back and we will always wish we had more of. Grocery shopping takes time. But don't worry, that's where Instacart comes in to help. With Instacart, you can spend that extra time catching up on things that you want, like going to the gym, reading a book, or listening to a podcast while you're reading a book at the gym instacart also uses its technology to highlight deals to help you save money the shoppers pick the freshest produce and even keep your eggs safe instacart delivers to your door in as fast as one hour if you use the link in the show notes to help support this show let instacart know that i sent you and you will get a free delivery on your first order of over ten dollars now back to the show I wouldn't know how to handle having someone close to you go missing without any sort of answers. While it occurs all too often, it's an unnatural thing to be prepared for. Denise was now living in that world. She couldn't sit around and wait all day and night. That would drive anyone crazy. So she continued going to work at the hospital, and this turned out to be very crucial and led to big evidence in the case. On January 14th, almost two weeks after Zeb went missing, one of Denise's co-workers, who also went to high school with Zeb, was on her way into work that night. She saw a car that she believed was Zeb's that was parked in a parking lot at a local barbecue restaurant that was actually right across from the hospital. Denise contacted law enforcement and when the officers arrived on scene, they located the car in very suspicious circumstances. On the back windshield of the car, a large pair of lips were drawn in lipstick with an exclamation mark taking up much of the window. The headlights were left on, the windows were cracked, and there was a black lab puppy that was still alive in the car. The car seemed to have been parked in order to be found. First of all, it's odd that it's right across from where Zeb's mother worked. The lights were left on and a dog left inside. Investigators believed that the dog was left in there so that people would see the dog and call the car in. They began trying to track down where the dog came from, because it wasn't Zeb's dog. They went to various vets, breeders, and shelters, and no one had any idea where the dog may have come from. There was also a hotel key that was left in the car, but this was yet another strange thing because there was no logo on the card. Investigators took the card to every hotel in Asheville, and no one had a card like that one. There seemed to be a lot of back and forth of things that pointed towards Jason and then Misty and her boyfriend, but there was no evidence that investigators had that directly could connect anyone to Zeb's disappearance. While there wasn't any evidence to connect them to Zeb's case, one of the three was about to do something that would get even more attention put on them. Just when things were starting to go towards the direction of Misty and her boyfriend, just a few months after Zeb was reporting missing, an Asheville police officer attempted to do a traffic stop on a car. The car began fleeing from the officer. As the officer pursued the car, the driver pointed a handgun out the window and started shooting at the officer. Eventually the pursuit ended. The driver attempted to get away, but was eventually captured. And it was none other than Robert Jason Owens. Jason was charged with driving while impaired, fleeing, and aggravated assault on law enforcement, and a few other things. He ended up getting sentenced to four years in prison. Investigators were hoping that this would be an opening to Zeb's case. But over the four years, any time that they interviewed him, he would deny knowing anything about Zeb's disappearance, and then he would refuse to talk. Fifteen years went by, with no answers as to what happened with Zeb. On March 15, 2015, Christy Codd and her husband Joseph Codd were reported missing by family members. Christy had been a contestant on the Food Network show, Food Network Star, in 2012. The couple were expecting their first child, a girl, and they planned to name her Skyler. CNN reported that one of Christie's neighbors said that after the family was reported missing, another neighbor went to a dumpster and seemed to be suspiciously throwing things away. Now, I don't know if this means that they were doing it in the middle of the night or if they're throwing stuff away in the dumpster and they keep looking around or what it means, but it was suspicious to the caller. Police responded to the dumpster where they found trash bags that had items in them that belonged to Christy and Joseph. And the neighbor that was throwing the items away, well, he was identified as Robert Jason Owens. A search warrant was then executed on Jason's house. Human remains were found in a wood stove at his residence, which were determined to be Christy and Joseph's remains. Jason was arrested on three counts of murder and dismembering human remains. Jason later admitted to killing the family, but he claimed that he accidentally ran them over. And not sure how you go from accidentally running someone over to they are in a wood stove at your house, but that was his story. Eventually, in 2017, he took a plea deal in order to avoid the death penalty, and he was sentenced to 60 to 75 years in prison. When investigators were searching Jason's property, they also received information that around the time of Zeb's disappearance, he did concrete work on the property. Investigators broke up their concrete, and underneath they found pieces of fabric, leather, and what was called unidentified hard fragments. Because Zeb's case is still an open investigation, the investigators have not said exactly what they found. But I can only assume that the things found under that concrete were somehow connected to Zeb. Because after Jason took the plea deal for the murder of Christy, Joseph, and Skyler in April of 2017, in July of 2017 he was charged with first degree murder of Zeb. There hasn't been much released about the evidence that was used in charging him. I'm sure more will be made public after the trial. As of now, in September of 2021, Jason is still awaiting trial for Zeb's murder. And if you're also wondering what happened to the dog that was found in Zeb's car, well, one of the detectives on the case adopted the dog. And this is going to bring us to a conclusion of this episode of Trying Nerds. Thank you for listening.